Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class based on Philippians chapter 1. Verse 12 will be our beginning place. Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Philippi with whom he enjoyed a close relationship. Now, the fact that Paul was under house arrest at the time did not diminish his gratitude or reduce his joy. In his mind, there was still work to do people to be saved, Christians to be taught and encouraged. This remarkable attitude came from his steadfast faith in Christ. He was a servant of Jesus Christ, and based on his faith, he served with joy and activity no matter his living circumstances. We will see that as we move further into this letter to the church at Philippi today. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Listen carefully, please. Philippians 1, 12 through 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Here is a typical way a conversation might begin back then and today. Let me tell you what happened to me. You may receive a phone call and your friend says, you won't believe what happened to me. An email may hit your inbox or a message. Let me tell you what happened to me. That's what we do. We share good news and bad news. And when something happens to us, we generally report the events in our lives. We find an audience. Paul's life was dramatically eventful. But because of his maturity of faith, he was not a complainer. And if there was any positive outcome, Paul found it and shared it and rejoiced in it. He was being held against his will. Perhaps it was not maximum dungeon-like incarceration yet. Some call it house arrest, but he was not a free man. It wasn't that there was just a whiff of persecution in the air. Paul was arrested. He appealed to, to the emperor, and he is waiting for further proceedings, yet he is not idle. Listen to his mature attitude. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's going to explain that in verse 13, but let's just pause here 
and grasp his maturity of faith. That includes this determined priority. If the gospel is being spread, it's okay. I'll sit here in restraints. That's the courage God enables his people to have when their faith is active. That's the courage God enables his people to have when their faith is active and their heart overflows with concern for the lost. What happened was Paul was a captive with a captive audience. He was in jail with jailers, with guards, and his attitude of heart was, I'm here, I have the gospel, there are sinners here, I need to teach them the gospel. That's very simple, and that's very good. It is a very simple activity of faith. It is a response that isn't complicated. I'm stuck here. There are people here who haven't heard the gospel. This is great. It's an opportunity. I have an audience. And isn't it interesting? Listen to this now. The church at Philippi had in their membership, if he was still alive, a jailer. The Philippian jailer Paul and Silas baptized on their first visit to Macedonia. Now, Paul is in prison in Rome, writing to the church at Philippi while preaching to jailers. Again, listen to verses 12 and 13 in Philippians chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. It became clear, public knowledge spread through the imperial guard and others who were present that Paul was no criminal or subversive. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, it was not engineered as a publicity stunt. It just came to pass in these events under the providence of God that people became aware a follower of Christ was in prison and for no reason. And he's preaching of Christ. And his life follows the model of behavior seen in Jesus Christ. There was another good result from Paul's imprisonment. Christians who knew of Paul's strength and courage took strength and courage from his example. Listen, please. In verse 14, Philippians 1, verse 14, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is the way good influence works. You see and hear of Christians who are standing firm, who are remaining active and strong against opposition, and you begin to think, that's what I need to be doing. I can do that. I must do that. When we go through hard times but remain faithful to God, we send messages through our influence to others that they can be strong and courageous. 
Paul had this determination, this discipline of faith about what had happened to him. He was still preaching to the guards around him. It was becoming more and more obvious that Paul was not a criminal. He's a Christian, and his strength was a good influence for others. We need this kind of strength today. And by the activity of faith in Christ, we can be strong and courageous. Paul's attitude had another level of maturity. I'm going to read now in verses 15 through 18. I'm going to read verses 15 through 18 here in Philippians chapter 1. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Even though there were preachers with ill-founded motives. If they got the message right, Paul rejoiced that the gospel was being preached. I want to explore this with you for the next few minutes. All through the Bible and in the New Testament in particular, attitude matters. Paul never condones any wrong attitude. He never takes up the philosophy that the end justifies the means. But if the gospel is taught accurately and people can obey it and become Christians, even if the preacher's attitude or motive wasn't good, here's one way to explore this. Suppose in my heart there is envy and selfish ambition and ill will, but I preach exactly what the Bible says. Can you respond to that correct message and be saved? You can. While I will stand accountable before God for anything bad that's in my heart, if the message is accurate, if it's from the Bible, you can learn it and you can respond to it. And that's the idea here. I want you to listen again. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. You see what this is all about? I want to offer now my final wrap-ups based on Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Wrap-ups, please. Let me pull up that slide. We ought to be people who evaluate the events of life with a faith perspective, a thorough faith perspective. Typically, when unpleasant events intrude upon our lives, our first and sometimes only response is to complain. 
And our prayers may have a similar focus. Lord, get me out of this trouble. It is natural to pray asking God to deliver you from pain. We all do that. It is legitimate. But if all we do is complain and ask God to provide quick relief, there may be positives and opportunities and good that we miss altogether. Paul illustrates a healthy faith perspective where we search what happens to us for any good that can be discovered and rejoiced in and for any opportunity we can seize and apply to the spread of the gospel. We are challenged by this passage. We use God's word to nurture that good perspective when bad things happen to us. We use God's word to nurture a perspective that searches out what can be good and what can be an opportunity. Number two, some of the best evangelism occurs by simple, ancient, word-of-mouth communication. There were hundreds of men who composed the Roman imperial guard. Not all those men were with Paul in the prison cell or wherever he was held, but the word spread about who Paul was and why he was there and even the message he delivered spread. What is Paul talking about? And people would share that message. So I want us to think about this. When you speak to one person about the gospel, you may not just be speaking to one person. Individual Christians need to step into evangelism, realizing that when you speak to one, chances are you're speaking eventually to many others. Number three, those who step up and act with courage and discipline encourage the rest of us to do the same, to speak the word without fear. Fear can hold us back in speaking to non-Christians. Fear of rejection, fear of criticism. One thing that can get us over the fear is the influence of others, like Paul who not only spoke the truth, but he did so under pressure and from a condition of incarceration. There is this chain of good influence. We need to be initiators of it and recipients of it. Paul's courage gave some backbone to otherwise timid Christians, there is no doubt. Number four, even if preachers get the message right and the message reaches good hearts, the motives of envy, rivalry, selfish ambition are not worthy. And those with those motives are guilty. It is not like there are no other motives which are better. The genuine motives are love for God, love for the lost, devotion to Christ, integrity and in delivering the truth. Preachers need to get the motive right and get the message right. And of course, all of us need this lesson. We need to be people who get the message right because we have the motive right. This should be a consistent concern we have. Motive combined with the right message. 
Number five, let us rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. We cannot look into the hearts of the proclaimers and know all of their inner motives. We can and should rejoice when the real facts of the gospel are announced correctly, the promises are stated as they are written, and the commands are issued just as given by the apostles. I want to do some reading now from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Thank you for listening. Grace and peace to you.